Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are served from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band, full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more info. Welcome back. Joyce Calvin with you for the second hour of this uh, Tuesday's edition of the show with the State of the Union address scheduled for this evening. But I wanted to spend a little time with uh, with my friend, Dr. Stephen Camerata, the director of research at the uh, Center for Immigration Studies, which is, of course, up there in Washington, D.C., where I understand the weather's actually kind of mild today, isn't it? Yeah, it feels almost like a spring day. Hey, listen, it's only uh, 78 here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's uh, in the low mid-60s right now. Wow, that is a big change from a couple of weeks ago. Um, I got to tell you, when I saw this uh, immigration report, or actually this piece on the on the website uh, last night or this morning, I was stunned because what you're doing is actually looking at the impact or the size and the age of the immigration population right up to 2060. And I don't know about how anybody else is going to feel when they hear this, but it was pretty scary for me. Right. So it's well known that um, American couples have very roughly two children on average, so the population in the long run would roughly stabilize, and then after a few decades it might actually slowly decline. But immigration um, then, of course, is the determinant factor in population growth. That is adding new people into the country. So it depends on how you feel about population growth. But it unambiguously adds lots of people. So right now, the the federal government is estimating that the level of net immigration is a little over a million a year, about 1.1 million. And if you take that out for until 2060, um, you add about 75 million people to the U.S. population. That's the immigrants, again, taking into account the numbers who come and go, plus their children and, in some cases, grandchildren. So over the next four decades, the U.S. population would be, at the end of that four decades, 75 million people larger than it otherwise would have been but for immigration. Um, overall, population growth will be about 79 million. That's the existing population and its growth and the 75 million is just the immigration component. Or, put a different way, about 95% of future population growth will come from immigration. Uh, so you have to, uh, maybe a way to think about it for Florida is, what would it mean for Florida to have another 5 or 8 million people as a consequence of immigration policy uh, over the next four decades? Right, and people who are, you know, adults for the most part. We we don't um, see, uh, well, although we now have all these unaccompanied children coming to this country, for the most part, the immigrant population is working age adults. Right, right. Um, that, that's true, um, though... Uh, these projections take into account not just the adults, but um, the, uh, the the children, and in some cases, grandchildren. People would have over the um, over the next um, over the next four decades. Though I do know that number. I was going to look it up for you. We do know what the foreign-born or immigrant population would be under these projections as well. And you know, it, obviously, it it grows dramatically too. I think it reaches about 65 or 70 million. Um, from about 44 million today. So a lot of the population goes, is just the presence of the immigrants, but then it's also um, the children and grandchildren that they'll have. Mm -hmm. Now, these figures that we're talking about are both legal and illegal immigrants, correct? Right, right. So, uh, again, going back to the 75 million, 
of that 75 million, about three-fourths come from legal immigration, uh, maybe two-thirds, and roughly uh, one-third to one-fourth is illegal immigration. Remember, legal immigration to the United States is enormous and much larger than illegal immigration. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least with legal immigration, we have records of, of you know, who's coming and where they're going. Uh, where they're settling because my my big concern even in the days when i was a a wacky uh you know college liberal was do we have the resources you can't put everybody on the coasts um you know i don't think we'll sink like uh, one of our representatives thought about guam but i do believe that you're going to run out of water you're going to run out of land um all reasonable uh, uh points look i mean if you take the, uh, there's about a hundred counties in America, Dade being one of them, where um, the immigrants settle. Three fourths of all immigrants settle in those 100 counties. So uh, yes, immigration is very concentrated. It's become a little less concentrated in the last two decades, but the expectation is that concentration would continue with somewhat. You've got more and more immigrants in places like Iowa, but relative to the number coming into Florida, California, New York, and a few other states like Texas, New Jersey, Illinois, um, uh, the, imp- the immigration to places like Iowa or Nebraska is uh, much smaller, and it has remained much smaller. So again, the immigrant population and the population growth that it spurs um, will be spread out in the United States, but probably about three-fourths, maybe 80%, will be only in 100 counties and, only, and mostly concentrated on the coasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's always been a concern. Um, it also changes uh, a lot of things in terms of American workers. For instance, um, what, what age we're going to retire at? Right. So one of the arguments is, okay, well, whatever you think about population growth, we need this immigration because there's not going to be enough workers to support uh, government. There's not going to be mainly Social Security people, but just in general, government. And there's not going to be enough workers to support the economy relative to the people who aren't, so uh, aren't of working age. So we looked at that number, and actually other demographers have looked at it too, and I cite that research in the report. And what you find is that immigration has a small effect on maintaining the working age uh, share of the population. Almost all of the aging that would occur, it would occur with and without immigrants. Um, very briefly, there are two main reasons for that. One is the immigrants age like everyone else, and their fertility is not that much higher than the native-born. It used to be, but not anymore, and so we can actually project what the impact would be. So let's say, um, uh, what would happen if we cut immigration by two-thirds um, from what the census bureau? So instead of a million immigrants a year, more like 300,000 net immigration. Um, again, that's the difference between people coming and going. So let's say we cut it by two-thirds. Well, if we did that, about 58% of the population would be of working age. Hmm. So that's like people say 16 to 64, if we define it that way. Though I do it in different ways in the report. So about 58% of the population in 2060 will be of working age. If we have the immigration that the Census Bureau is projecting, the share who will be of the working age will be 59%. So in other words, if we cut immigration by two-thirds, it doesn't make much difference. Because um, the immigrants age like everyone else, and they don't have much larger families. They have somewhat larger families, and they come somewhat younger, but it's not enough to change the numbers. Or put it different way, the immigrants add to the working age quite a bit, but they also add to the population outside the working age, including to retirees. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Remember, lots of immigrants now, and this has been a recent phenomenon, but it's, it's increasing, and these projections don't even take this into account. The aged arrival of immigrants has been increasing very rapidly for the last 10 years. So we're now getting to the point where about one out of every seven immigrants who comes to America comes after the age of 50. So although immigrants still do come often at young ages, um, they very often come at older ages, too. And so the way to think about immigration is it adds to the entire age distribution, not just the working age. But I, I think one of the things that, you know, when I look at these statistics, and I'm not a statistician like you, but uh, uh, when you say working age, that's actually people who are eligible to be working, not necessarily a prediction of who will be working. Right. So now we also look at that in the report. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm a very large fraction of people of working age between a fourth and a third don't actually work. Right. So the question is, so we've got something like 55 million people right now who are of working age who aren't working. Now, some of them are moms and uh, taking care of little kids or dads who stay home with their kids, and some are disabled people, maybe 10 million are disabled in one way or another. It doesn't mean they can't work, just like the moms and dads can't work. Most people who have even little kids do work, right. but some don't. Um, some are college students, but again, college students have traditionally worked. I worked in college. Me too. But, um, so, but of that 55 million, um, uh, that, that's the number that doesn't work, that, that's not working right now. Um, so uh, the question is, what would happen if we drew more people into the labor force and got them to work? Um, and so another way to deal with the decline in workers or working age as the population ages is to bring more people in. And right now, again, I think about 70% of working age people work. If we got that up to 75%, which it has been historically, it's low right now, it would have the same impact on the share of the population who are workers as would the adding of the 75 million. In other words, that immigration will do. Mm. So in other words, if you just raise the fraction of working age people who actually work from 70 to 75%, you would have the same impact of adding 75 million people over the next four decades in terms of um, immigration. So that's another way. The other way is just to raise the retirement age. Um, so, you, uh, so if you are concerned there aren't going to be enough workers, then there are other ways to deal with that. You don't have to add 75 million people to the U.S. population through immigration. You can get more people who are of working age working, or you could actually just raise the retirement age, too, and that has some of the same effects. Yeah. You know, one of the things that um, probably matters less to me and you than most other people, but is the constant source of discussion on television is race and ethnicity. Um, this, with these changes and with this growing uh, population, the demographics shift as well. Uh, you know, a country that was predominantly white a hundred years ago um, will not only not be uh, predominantly white forever, but it looks as though by 2060 we'll see some some very different numbers. No, of course. Uh, immigration does change the demography of the United States. That's not been the focus of my research, and it's not the focus of this paper. Um, uh, so. You, you know, that's, but it's an important question, obviously, that has implications for the society, for example, politically. Right. Um, but I would say this, that what is clear and undisputed, what a, a different racial composition means for society is, I think, an issue, uh, you know, for another discussion and an endless debate. Right. Um, and I'll leave that to others. But mm-hmm. adding 75 million people to the United States 
certainly has some implications for environmental protection. Yes. For pollution, for congestion, for the preservation of open spaces, for traffic. Um, and I think those things clearly seem to, to impact things lots of Americans care about. And that, I think, is, is um, a, a, a very important discussion. I think the amazing thing about U.S. immigration is that we have debates about it that focus on legal versus illegal and some other things, border versus going after employers who hire illegals. But we don't have a discussion on the really big question, which is the numbers. It's like mm. debating tax policy without <laughs> ever discussing the tax rate yeah. or how much money is going to be collected. It's, it's crazy when in many ways the most important question with immigration is how many people are coming. Mm -hmm. And what these numbers remind us of is just how big those numbers are. Right, and sustainability. That was my issue in the 70s, in the early 70s. You know, organizations like the uh, Sierra Club, we were calling for zero population growth because we said we wouldn't have a water supply. We wouldn't have, you know, clean air. We wouldn't have all of these things that the left claims to be the most important things of all. You know, this whole sustainability um, movement. And yet you add 75 million people, you know, how much more difficult is it going to be able? to sustain? A very fair question, and I think that, that, that's a question we have to answer. It's clearly, better planning, mm -hmm. technology, regulation can help mitigate the impact of all those people, but at a cost. Right. But the reality is, can't offset it all. Uh, and and that's, a, that's an important re uh, thing to think a great deal about and you would think it'd be a good starting point for the two sides to come together i mean we all agree we want clean air and fresh water and things of that nature so um maybe we just need to plant that bug <laughs> but well, uh, i'll tell you very briefly the environmental movement doesn't want to touch the issue because they know that immigration is the factor driving population growth when it was just americans having large families during the baby boom they were willing to tackle it on the left there's a fear that any concern over population and its impact on the environment or environmental quality is associated with advocacy for abortion and so any uh, any touching of the environmental uh, of the population issue on the right or some part of the right is seen as taboo as well and as a consequence we don't get what we probably need which is an intelligent discourse of whether it makes sense to add 75 million people to the US population through a particular federal policy that is immigration yeah well thank you so much Dr. Camerad always a pleasure talking to you I hope the weather holds for you Yes, I hope so, too. All right, and take care. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Sure. All right, we got to take a break. You are listening to The Joyce Kaufman Show on this, the State of the Union Day. Yeah, so they, uh, you know, they, they don't want to talk about that, the environmentalists, anymore. When I was coming up, we talked about population. We talked about whether or not we would have enough drinking water, whether we would have enough land. And apparently today, that's taboo, as uh, you heard Dr. Camerata say. Because you wouldn't want to be branded a, a racist, uh, not liking Hispanics. It, you know, at what point does all of this racist, 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 racist stuff just stop having any meaning? Because that's my big fear. You know, I like to uh, keep uh, strong terms strong. I want to believe that when I use a term like that, it's based on uh, clear and present proof. Because otherwise, it all becomes uh, pretty irrelevant. You know, you can say all you want, but if you, if everybody on Earth is going to be called a racist at one time or another, including for things that they may or may not have done a hundred, you know, forty years ago, fifty years ago, well, then 
Uh, I, I doubt there are going to be many people who escape this branding. And I'm not so sure that it's helpful. It's not going to bring us together, that's for sure. Now the big uh, controversy, Bernie Sanders is going to be delivering a response to the State of the Union address. See, there's the old white man trying to steal some of the spotlight away from the black woman. Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. every Friday night of the year. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are optional, sir, from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band from 7 to 11 playing ballroom, standards, party music, and German traditional. Full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more information. Oh, my goodness. BuzzFeed is, uh, you know, they, they're just never going to give up. Um, and they just keep getting debunked. So today they have uh, a paper trail, they say. Um, when Michael Cohen testifies before Congress this week, one topic that is likely to come up will be Russia. Right? Wasn't this always all about Russia? And the over-the-top luxury real estate venture he helped to spearhead leading up to the election. The development was never built, um, but it is a focus for a special counsel's investigation. And was co when Cohen got convicted last November of lying to Congress, it was because he had uh, falsely testified that the deal had fizzled. Um, I guess he say it originally said it fizzled in uh, in prior to 2016 in like January of 2016 or, you know, or, or December 15. But um, today BuzzFeed is publishing, BuzzFeed rather, is publishing a cachet of internal Trump organization documents that lay bare the secret negotiations that continued long after Cohen claimed the deal had been abandoned. The documents, many of which have been exclusively obtained by BuzzFeed News, reveal that despite Trump's claim that the development was never more than a passing notion, the effort to get the tower built was long-running, detail-oriented, and directly entwined with the ups and downs of his campaign. As Trump went from rally to rally, you know what, here's this, the really, um, here's the really crazy part. There's nothing illegal about Donald Trump having uh, business agreements or architectural renderings or texts or anything having to do with building the tallest tower in Europe. He actually thought at one point that it was going to make the world uh, a better place, a peaceful place. It was going to make a lot of money and help uh, to bring peace on earth. Um, but they just can't, they can't stop themselves. And, and and now he's implicating, and now BuzzFeed is implicating Ivanka Trump, um, the Trump Organization lawyers, um, Michael Cohen, Felix Sater. You know, the, this, the most amazing part of all this is BuzzFeed has been exposed repeatedly as not verifying stories, not um, not knowing what they were talking about, but people still like pay attention. And still listen, and I think it's that whole, uh, you know, part of what propaganda is. You just keep saying things over and over again. They don't have to be true. It's just the implication over and over again. But here's what'll uh, what'll make you scratch your head. This falls into the category of, huh? 
Donald Trump's approval is at 48%. This guy is like uh, Teflon. It is a relentless 24-7 attack, 365 days a year. We've now had two years of, well, more than that, three years of this. And th there are still um, very high, high favorability ratings. This is the same favorability rating that uh, Barack Obama had in the same exact moment in his administration. And I keep hearing how he's one of the greatest presidents ever. How's that work? It doesn't work. And that's why um, you you just you just have to scratch your head and say this derangement syndrome that they are suffering from um, is not healthy for the country. You know, it's how you end up with the uh, uh, Ocasio Cortezes getting elected in office. You know, her and her Twitter army. That's how they now refer to her followers: a Twitter army who are out there on Twitter day in and day out talking about uh you know rich people americans who say go for it grab the grab all the money from the rich people 70 percent taxes for multimillionaires, levies on the super rich hey we don't care if you call it socialism we don't care what you call it just get it done apparently the american public is becoming more and more on board with that Overwhelming support for raising taxes on top earners, including a Politico morning consult poll released Monday that found 76% of registered voters believe the wealthiest Americans should pay more in taxes. Well, I guess they might change their mind when they realize that when you do that to the wealthiest, um, you actually diminish their ability to invest in the economy and therefore to hire workers. But hey, don't confuse Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez with, uh, with facts. A 70% marginal rate on income earned over 10 million, that's already clocking in at a 59% support in a Hill-Harris poll. Yeah, because Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is not the only stupid millennial out there. We'll be back with uh, Mark Lauder in a few minutes. Welcome back, and uh, we get a chance now to check in uh, with Mark Lauder. He is, uh, are you in D.C., Mark? I actually am. Hello, Jerry. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I understand it's like 60 and balmy out there. Uh, yeah, in, in the low 60s, so it's great here. I know that doesn't compare to anything that you guys have got going on down there right now, but we'll take it in January or February. <laughs> exactly. Considering all the below zero temperatures the Northeast has been going through, I should think that's uh, nice and seasonal just for the State of the Union address, which is already shaping up to be like a three-ring circus. Would you not agree? Well, I'm not, you know, I think the, uh, the media would like to portray it to be that, but I think when you get, when it comes right down to it, the president's going to be introduced. He's going to walk into the chamber and he's going to deliver a speech to the American people. And, uh, the rest of America can watch Nancy Pelosi sit on her hands, uh, while the vice president and president celebrate so many of the great things that are going on in this country. Yeah. And, and there is a, you know, a story to be told. I think, uh, he's the only person who can tell the story. Um, but again, you know, the, this is a, one of those momentous uh, kind of gatherings where there's a lot of 
of, uh, well, it just feels special when you see the whole uh, group of, of congressmen and senators and the uh, Supreme Court justices all gathered together to hear the President of the United States. But boy, I'll tell you, uh, the lead up to it, just listening to Maxine Waters today, screaming that people should turn off their TVs, the one thing they would like is if no one got to hear this speech. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, you know, I was at the White House yesterday. Uh, I got a chance to uh, to speak with the president, the vice president. And the message that you're going to hear tonight, and the reason why Democrats don't want you to hear it, is that America's doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the 5.2 million jobs that were created, many of them that pre- uh, President Obama said would have would require a magic wand to bring back, or paychecks going up at the fastest rate in 10 years. I mean, these are the things that are really mattering to the to the American people. President's going to highlight areas where we've worked together mm-hmm. on fighting opioids and the historic criminal justice reform. But he's also going to challenge Congress on infrastructure, lowering prescription drug costs. Can we find it within our country to work together again? Or is the president going to say, can we choose American greatness? Mm. Or are Democrats just going to choose resistance? Yeah. Hey, listen, the, he pointed out earlier, la, uh, late last week, that, you know, they've now become the party of, uh, you know, infanticide and and things that, uh, you know, I'm, I, I grew up in a Democrat household in New York City. I mean, my father was what you consider a yellow dog Democrat all his life, and he would not recognize that party today. Um, not only is it not the party of the working guy, it's the party of, uh, of you know, unborn children being left to die. And, and instead of that being the story this, this last few days, the story was, did somebody put on blackface, you know, 40 years ago? I, I mean, it's unbelievable what's happened to the party. And what we're hearing is that so many people, so many uh, folks like your, like you know, uh, you described your father, don't recognize what they're seeing anymore, including things like openly telling folks that the 177 million Americans who get their health insurance through their employer may lose that because they believe government health insurance is more important. Uh, these are the kind of things that doesn't resonate with the American people. Right, and and you know, I would remind everybody that uh, at about this time. In Ronald Reagan's first administration, he did not have as high an approval rating as President Trump does right now. And President Trump is attacked negatively by the media. Ninety what? Two, ninety-four, ninety-six percent of the stories are negative. I mean, they, they were hard on Ronald Reagan, but it was nothing like that. And what happened? That uh, sentiment uh, propelled him to the, one of the biggest wins in his second term ever. And I'm telling you, I think it's never Trumpers, like Newt Gingrich said yesterday, never Trumpers and Democrats who are going to get him a second term, Donald Trump. Absolutely. And and I think people are going to see through it. They're going to see through the negative narrative. They're going to see the results. It's impacting their lives. It's impacting their paychecks. And it's also impacting positively America's standing on the world stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And I think when it comes down to it, when the choice is between do you want to continue to benefit or do you want socialism, the American people are going to choose to continue the, the, the strong economy, the strength that we're seeing across the board. Yeah.
And they're going to have some crazy nomination process going on on the other side of, of the aisle anyway, which only serves to uh, strengthen the president's case. I mean, when you got people talking about, like you pointed out, taking away uh, your health care insurance again. I mean, we've been down this road before, and now we're talking about 70 percent, even 80 and 90 percent taxation on people who are rich. I mean, at, at some point, the average guy out there on the street listens to this and goes i I can't let those people lead the country no and and that's what the choice is going to come down to i'm positive that uh, the president will prevail and we're going to see a little bit of that tonight as he calls for you he calls for opportunities for us to work together and we will see if uh if the democrats in congress want to do that or if they want to continue with the resistance Mm -hmm. well listen i'll be watching carefully we're having a watch party up here in uh jupiter so We'll be uh, watching carefully. And then we got the uh, two responses now. Apparently, one was not enough. We'll hear from both Stacey Abrams and Bernie Sanders. <laughs> and so many others are going to do theirs on Facebook. So, you know, obviously they can't let a, a good thing go unchallenged. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Mark. Always appreciate talking to you. Take care. You too, Joyce. All right. Bye-bye. Let's, uh, you know, let's, let's face it. N- nothing that this president can do will ever be enough. You know, the anti-Trump people out there um, are just growing tired. And their their message hasn't resonated. You know, we, we're watching the Chinese are losing their trade fight. And they know it. Um, NAFTA has been renegotiated. Kim Jong-un has at least begun changing his behavior in the right direction. Um, you know, NATO got got a hundred billion dollars towards de- defense and they said um you know it was donald trump that helped accomplish that the this this a most amazing thing to me and i say this you know after having thought about it and and really studied it for the last couple of weeks the um the the sound and fury that we hear every day on television the sound and fury about race, the sound and fury about uh, income inequality, the sound and fury about uh, the wall and illegal immigration. At some point, it does exactly the opposite of what the left wants. It begins to make people tire of them and to tire of their inability to get on board with anything. I mean, at some point, government has to function you can't just be the party of no way you can't just continue to be the party of like we're not cooperating we refuse to to give in on anything and and we we can hold out as long as we need to good luck because it my hope is that they hold out until the 2020 election because this kind of inaction and this kind of, uh, you know, th- this behavior that you saw with Maxine Waters screaming and, and jumping up and down about, I'm not going, nobody should watch it and all this other stuff. It doesn't sit well with people who are sending representation up to Washington to, 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 to re- represent them. I don't care, uh, what Maxine Waters' personal opinion is of Donald Trump. I never cared. What I do care is what are you doing to make this nation safer, to make this nation stronger, to make this nation um, profit? 
you know, how does it affect me in my home, in my uh, my schools, in my hospitals? That's what you're there for. Not to stand and, and, and just be crazy. I mean, there are people who are repelled by what they're seeing. A lot of people are going to wish that they, uh, that they had a choice. But they're going to find that even if they didn't vote for President Trump the first time, it's going to come down to him or some dangerous and uncertain future person. You know, and that. That is going to be uh, um, important. And, I, you know, I shared with you President Reagan's approval rating in January of 1983 was 35%. 35% of Americans approved of Ronald Reagan at the midpoint of his first term. Donald Trump's number today is 49. And I don't think I need to remind you what kind of margin it was 